0: episode 42 of the app advice weekly podcast this is your host trevor sheridan of appadvice.com and joining me as usual is my co-host brett nolan of appaddict.net join us this week as we flip through the wonderful world of the app store mosaic how are you doing today brett i'm doing pretty good how are you doing good there's uh, some fun stuff this week and i know that we just talked about the iphone x last week but there's already rumors for the next iphone for 2018.
1: Yeah, that's how it always. Is. I was surprised these rumors didn't start before the iPhone X finally showed up because uh, they all there never seems to be a a shortage of rumors
0: when it comes to Apple products. And so today we have uh, KGI Securities analyst Ming Chi Kuo telling us that next year Apple is going to plan a replacement for the Plus, so the iPhone X style design will be maintained at that five point eight inch screen that it currently is but then the plus line there will be a new 6.5 inch OLED version of the iPhone so the iPhone plus is going to be upgraded so there's an iPhone X and iPhone X plus and then I guess it's going to be the XS so we have XS and XS plus and then allegedly there's going to be a new 6.1 inch device that uses an LCD screen instead of the new OLED screen it's kind of like an a new old iPhone that's going to fit in the middle but somehow be cheaper.
1: Right. I think it's because it goes away from the OLED screen. They're somehow able to produce it cheaper. I don't know. I don't really understand why it's like just slightly larger in screen size unless that's to uh, cover up the notch. I don't know. It, it, it's kind of weird that they would add like 0. 0.3 inches to the screen. The OLED versus LCD shouldn't change that, but... I don't know that that one's weird, but I can only imagine how much the six and a half inch 10 plus is going to cost. Like if my eight, uh, my 10 costs like $1,150, I can, uh, this, this thing's going to be insanely
0: priced. Yeah. It's going to be MacBook pro territory for a phone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that 6.1-inch is going to happen. I think it's just kind of a rumored speculation, just like they've always done. But it really makes sense to replace the Plus with the uh, borderless iPhone X design.
1: Right, right, yeah. If people still want that larger screen size, uh, granted, this is larger than the current Plus. But if people still want that larger but at that new aspect ratio, it makes sense to bring out that phone. Uh I'm kind of used to this, so I'm not sure I want to go back to that larger screen. I mean, aspects of it with the larger screen were nice, but having that larger form factor, going back to that would be kind of tough, just because I I do like this slightly smaller form factor.
0: Yes, because the current device is slightly larger than the 8 or the 7 or whatever the case may be, where this new big 6.5-inch phone It'll be smaller than the current Plus, but it's still going to be a hefty and large-scale device in your hand. Right, yeah, and in your pocket. And it's going to be all the same things
1: people didn't really like about the Plus originally, which you do get used to it. I I didn't really have problems using it. It's more when you have now switched away for a year, especially a lot of people with the Plus did upgrade to the ten. And so they're getting now used to this smaller phone again, and they're buying like cases, they're buying all the other accessories that they have. Are they going to want to now go back to the large phone again? I don't know. I'm, I'm sure some portion of people will. How much, I mean, are people going to be spending $1,150 this year and then wanting to trade that in and then continue paying again next year to get this even more expensive phone? Or are they going to try to ride out an $1,150 phone for multiple years? That's the big question. Like, what are sales of this thing even going to be?
0: Yeah, I got to imagine if you drop a grand for a phone, you plan to keep it for more than one year. I know I do. I wanted to keep it for at least two years. I pushed my last one for three years.
1: And the only reason was the battery, which really killed it. And as long as this battery holds, then I don't have any plans to upgrade anytime soon.
0: And so that iPhone X design isn't just going to come to the iPhone Plus, but it also will likely make it to the iPad. So next year's iPad could include Face ID, get rid of the home button and touch ID. And so that way that goes to the edge to edge display. And so the size of the bezel on the iPad may allow the face ID to fit right in line without needing a notch. There's a few different concepts on the web of with the notch and without the notch. But if there's even if you look at the size of that notch and you put that on the iPad, it would feel almost borderless just based on how that would compare to a 12.9 inch or 10.5 inch display.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't upgraded my iPad in quite some time, so I still have the original 9.7-inch iPad Pro. I would definitely consider upgrading uh, to looking at these mock-ups. You can just Google and you'll find these mock-ups, and they really look nice, and especially where now I keep on like going to my iPad, and I do the swipe up on the bottom. I don't know if you do the same thing. Like <laughs> I'm so used to that gesture now that it just feels unnatural to be pressing a button. I don't know. It It's weird.
0: Yeah, I feel the same exact way, and that can't come soon enough. This iPad looks absolutely gorgeous when you see it's just pretty much screen, and as compared to the X, it still fits in your palm. But if you have that 12.9-inch iPad with just, like, all screen, (laughs) that's going to be crazy. Yeah, I don't know
1: if I would go for that. I'd go for more, like, the standard size. Uh, But, yeah, even it just looks beautiful, absolutely beautiful.
0: And so hopefully that is coming next year. And then with Face ID just coming everywhere, maybe the new MacBook is going to go away from Touch ID and we'll have Face ID right on the MacBook and it allows them to have different stuff in the Touch Bar or just charge a whole bunch of money like they like doing. So the next MacBook already their update's set too. or if they just
1: decide, let's get rid of that Touch Bar now and we'll just put the Face ID camera in and people didn't buy the one with the Touch Bar. So let's just get rid of it. I, I don't <laughs> know. It's kind of weird they i i think that they'll i definitely think they're going to put the face id i'm curious to see what they do with that touch bar if it even continues going forward or not
0: yep and so that's pretty much the apple rumors already looking ahead to 2018 but there's stuff to play around with in 2017 and the first app this week is mosaic which is actually this really interesting hbo production that is kind of like a movie kind of like a tv show but it offers interactive content. So the full title is Mosaic from Steven Soderbergh. He's the director of Traffic, Aaron Brockovich, as well as the Ocean's 11, 12, 13 series. And so now he's applying his craft to kind of an interactive media designed for the iPad. So it begins with a 25-minute kind of introduction to the main character where you're watching this video. And then as soon as that ends, you're given a choice. Do you want to follow a different character's path or... Another one. So you have two character choices, and then you can see there's a whole map where the videos are going to diverge with all these different kind of points. And then you get to choose which path to proceed, kind of how you like different characters, how you want to see different characters play out. And the main character is consistent, but you get to choose kind of the way the storyline unfolds. And maybe your perspective changes because, say, you like Eric's decision making and you continually follow his path where another video might say that Eric is, like, not a guy to follow. But you've chosen Eric's path, so now you have his kind of bias towards his direction, and it changes your whole perception of watching the film take place.
1: Right, yeah, and even beyond, like, that arcing characters there's also little points within even just that first story where you can say you want to find out more about like the they mentioned something and there's like a back history there and you want to like well what's the story with that i want to know more about that there will be little certain points during the during the actual action the the film where you can tap on this little button and it'll bring up it'll kind of take you over to this other video that gives you that backstory or wherever that piece of information is. It's only in certain like specific points, but it's kind of neat how you get to decide basically how you're cutting this thing together. And you can choose the characters you're following or you can choose if you want all this extra information, you just want to continue with the story and go on. It's just a really neat way of kind of presenting a film where the watcher is kind of the director in doing the final cut. You're not influencing the story. It's not like a choose your own adventure type of thing, but it's more of a, where do I want to focus my attention within this story that's developing?
0: Yeah. That's a clear distinction that it's not going to be like a telltale game or something where you choose how everything unfolds in the character decisions. It's just the way you want to watch it. So if, It's really more like a TV show because there's so much video content included. The first clip is 25 minutes, and then you have a choice between a 38-minute clip or another 23-minute clip. And I think there's over a dozen different clips. So this is going to be longer than two hours if you watch all this video. So it's more kind of a TV show undertaking, but you can still watch it in relatively short bits.
1: Right, and and we already gave you like the credentials of the the director. There's there's famous people in this too. Uh, Sharon Stone is in it. Even Pee Wee Herman's in it. Uh, <laughs> and Biff from uh, from the Back of the Future series is in it. So I mean, there's a lot of hire people like Bo Bridges and other actors as well, but it's really well done and well produced. It's not like you're watching like an amateur production. This is a late, it could be aired on HBO if they really wanted to, but they decided to go with this unique sort of interactive way of presenting this story.
0: Yeah. I could see this easily probably started out as an HBO kind of pitch and then they've had this whole new idea and they wanted to find the best kind of medium for this style and it just really works well especially they somehow deliver this for free i don't know how that works but <laughs> it's completely free for you to download and watch the entirety of the thing it's not like a net purchase after you watch the first video to unlock the full thing
1: right you don't need hbo you don't you just download the thing and you can start watching and and it's seamless for going from from clip to clip and just as you're going it just all magically appears and unlocks. I don't know how much of it's in the download and how much of it is streaming, but it seems to be super fast and, and responsive.
0: Yep. And so that's Mosaic from Steven Soderbergh. Again, it's free, it's universal, and it's definitely worth checking out if you want some high-production TV show caliber content available in digestible packages that you decide how it unfolds. And so that means it's time for some new games. And the first one has a well-known name. It's South Park Phone Destroyer. And so the game is a real-time strategy game where there's the side-scrolling challenge and you play cards in real-time to try to make it across, essentially, the battlefield to defeat your opponent. And it has all the South Park characters you know. It's set up where, essentially, Cartman's hosting Cowboys versus Indians and we're going against Stan... And you're the new kid who has his phone and super good playing on his phone. So you have to play all these characters. You know, you have cowboy themed versions of Kyle and Butters and all the well-known South Park characters. And so you're going head to head in that familiar real-time strategy setup, but infused with the well-known franchise.
1: Right. Yeah. So it's your typical setup where you have this energy bar that's constantly refueling and that controls which of your cards in this case. Well, normally you'd have troops, but in this case they're cards and they each have a certain value on them on how much it costs to field them. So you've got to wait till your meter charges up enough and then you choose one of the cards that's in your hand and then you can put it out onto the field and you have ranged uh, attacked. Uh, troops you have some that are are close range and they do a lot of damage but they have a little bit of health and then you have kind of that mid-range uh that can kind of take a lot of damage but don't do a lot of damage and so you kind of have to balance out which ones you're deploying and you just got to keep on getting them out there as quickly as you can to take out as many of these the your opponent's little low level troops until finally you reach the boss battle. And then now you have like a massive thing that comes out. And once you defeat that, that character goes into your pool of cards that might come up that you can deploy again later. So it's kind of this whole cycle, but it's all around South Park. So if you love South Park, you're really going to just enjoy this game. I mean, it's definitely not for kids. There's language and all kinds of content that's inappropriate for kids, but it Definitely does a lot of fan service for anyone who loves South Park. And you're going to love seeing the various characters that come out and just being in that whole world.
0: Yeah, you have this whole group message chat that you're part of. So Cartman and Stan and Kyle are messaging each other, and you get to read the messages like they come in as text messages because you're playing on your phone. And then there's a whole single player campaign to play through. And as you go, it starts out with Cowboys versus Indians. And then they introduce pirate-themed characters and sci-fi-themed characters and fantasy-themed characters. It's the same characters, but now they're completely new. Like you have Inuit Kenny, and then all of a sudden you have (laughs) Cyborg Kenny. So now you have different versions of Kenny to play against. And then once, as you're playing through the different episodes of the single-player campaign, it will push you back to play the PvP. So you can not even worry about the single-player campaign and just have online matchmaking with the real-time strategy setup.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a familiar setup, but it's done really well. And just those little elements, like you said, of the, the text messages coming up where it just builds on this whole world. And then even at the very beginning, there, I won't give it away, but there's a little joke that happens that really kind of just pulls you right in right from the start and it's just a really well-crafted game it's familiar but there's enough there that especially if you love south park that you're definitely you're gonna want to dive in it's free and i didn't notice anything that felt limiting i mean i do i did see that sometimes you had to go back and grind a little bit and keep on replaying in order to get the cards that you need up to a level where you could then progress through and beat the boss but early on you can make it pretty far without doing much of that
0: yeah that i mean I'm midway through episode 2 and honestly the only kind of detractor from the game so far for me is that it's a bit on the easy side where i understand they have this whole difficulty curve where you play the level and then they want you to replay the level at a harder difficulty for better upgrades and unlockables but that first playthrough should have a better difficulty balance to actually challenge you I didn't feel like I was challenged if you're any kind of familiar with real time strategy games, you'll breeze right through this. The only thing keeping me back was the South Park theme and how well it's done and infused into every aspect of the game, but the core game is definitely on the easy side,
1: yeah, yeah, I totally agree there it, the you can make it through that whole first world without having to replay anything. It's pretty easy you just as soon as you just as soon as you can deploy troops, you start deploying them. You look at what they're deploying and make sure you have something that can do well countering that. So if they have range, you want to put out range. Or maybe you want to put out an assassin that can run up there and take out their range. So it's fairly simple, especially at the beginning. I think as you progress, it does get a little more difficult, but it does take a while to, to really build up that difficulty.
0: Yep, and so that's South Park Phone Destroyer. It's free, it's universal. And then there's Wonder Worlds, which is a 3D platformer game that is inspired by Little Big Planet for PlayStation, where you have this whole cute themed world that lets you have collectible stickers and decorations that you can decorate your home world as well as within a given level. And then you can also create your own levels and play levels created by others. So it has that whole Little Big Planet vibe but it's made for iOS, and it really has a well-produced kind of well value to everything that's included with that 3D design and the level design, and they've just done a good job of making a 3D platformer for iOS with that inspiration while still feeling relatively unique in the iOS structure.
1: Yeah, so I knew nothing about this game when I went into it. I, I didn't really even look at the pictures. I'm like I just saw the icon and I thought it looked pretty cool. So I downloaded it and I started it up. And I'm like, holy crap, they made like a little big planet for for iOS. This thing is and then I started playing it, I thought, wow, this is gonna be pretty ambitious to do this on iOS with like virtual controls. And For the most part, they really pulled it off fairly well. There is some glitching here and there with characters kind of like going over objects or into objects and every once in a while the the controls do stutter a bit where it's not, it felt like you're fighting the controls, but for the most part, they really did a nice job of building that same sort of feeling that you get from Little Big Plan. It's not Sackboy running around, you're this other character, but it has that all those elements that make the game f- give you that same sort of uh, feeling from it and same enjoyment from it, and it just feels so charming the way they've kind of put it together. It's not as expansive and not as big as Little Big Planet, but it is. They've done a really nice job.
0: Yeah, I would say it's more like Little Little Planet rather than Little Big Planet, <laughs> but yes. The- the movement itself is kind of rigid, not through the controls, just the character movement. It's a little rigid. And then the game is definitely on the easy side where you're not going to be challenged really at all. It's kind of more going through and exploring the world. The biggest drawback for me, though, is that the camera doesn't move automatically. You control the camera. Peace. In a 3D platformer, you want the camera to move, especially when you're changing angles around the world.
1: Yes, no, I found that frustrating as too. So there will be points where you almost just have to stop your movement, take your finger over on the other side of the screen and drag it around and get the camera so you can see where you're going. Where it would be much nicer if it did allow you to adjust the camera if you really wanted to, but have it at least kind of have some smarts and follow the character, especially if it knows that you're going through this level, kind of where you're going and and do it automatically rather than having the user have to really take their finger off. Cause one of your buttons is, a so you basically have the left side to move, which is a virtual stick. And then on the right side, you have this little button you can use to interact with objects. You can use it to fight things. You use it to jump as well. And to have to take your finger away from that, and then drag things around where all of a sudden you might drag and then you see this creature coming towards you. And now you got to get out of the way and make sure they kind of stun themselves so you can go pick them up and throw them off the edge. So it it just kind of takes you out of the gameplay where I think if you did have that auto-moving camera, it would just feel a lot smoother and natural.
0: Yep, agree completely. That's kind of really the only drawback. Just I think part of the game is so easy simply because it kind of uses the virtual controls and has a separate camera button so they put you into these points where you can just have your character sit there without any potential harm coming at while you move the camera
1: right yeah and it's not like a a time base where you're racing to get through the level where it really matters and they have to add to the easiness they have an insane number of checkpoints you can just pop onto and then have all these various save points that are really almost unnecessary with the length of the levels that you don't really even need it. But should you happen to mess up, you have these checkpoints where you're going to pop up pretty much where you left off. So, uh, yeah, it's easy, but it it's, it's, I think it's supposed to be, I think you're supposed to be able to just enjoy it. And it's supposed to be a creative experience, not necessarily a super challenging experience.
0: Yep. And so that's Wonder Worlds, it's free, it's universal, and really the in-app purchases in that game were tough to even find.
1: <laughs> I, I think there's one.
0: So there's a single... Yeah, you unlock the full game?
1: Yeah, so there's a single Wonder Bundle for like three ninety nine, where I think you unlock the entire single-player campaign and then you get a bunch of the other creative stuff that allows you to create your own worlds, like unlock that stuff right away, I think.
0: Yep, and so... I think you can play all the created levels for free if you didn't want to play their created levels.
1: I believe that's correct, yeah.
0: So it's three ninety nine for the whole thing? Yep. Okay. And so up next is Flip Flop Solitaire, which comes from Zach Gage. He made Spell Tower and then he made Sage Solitaire and Real Bad Chess and he just makes some nice fun creative kind of puzzle games in various familiar forms. And so he's again trying his craft at Solitaire. And it's a lot like Klondike and Freesail kind of combined together with the twist that you can build your stack upwards and downwards. So usually in Solitaire you have 10-9-8-7, well in this case you can actually do 10-9-8-7-8-9-10. So you can stack this whole long stack that goes up and down and you'll need to do that as you try to balance you only have five stacks and then you've got to clear everything up into the four towers at the top. And so it has all the familiar solitaire mechanics, but by being able to build the opposite way, it's really easy to convert stacks and switch them over and be able to handle the new cards that come in.
1: Yeah, that up and down is it's a little change, but it it ends up doing some really neat things. So You, like in normal solitaire, when you get stuck, you get stuck. You can't, you know that you can't put anything else. All you could basically do is swap stacks of things. Where in this game, because you have the ability to go up and down, you might have an out. You don't always have an out, but you might think it's over and then you realize, wait a minute, I can shift things around and start going in reverse and clear out a whole stack and access like a, a card that was previously blocked. And maybe that's the one ace or the one two or or the one card I need to then be able to start discarding a whole bunch of these into the stacks at the top. So it's it's almost like a savior where you're just going along, going along, going along. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, and then you just, Things start to click in your head, and there's even a little question mark button you can hit on the screen, which not only does it show you like your what moves you can make, but it actually shows you like a sequence of moves that you can make. So then you're like, Oh, if I move that stack there and that stack there, I can start going again. And so it gives you a little hint of how to get out of where you're stuck. But usually that's because you can now go in the reverse direction, and maybe you didn't think of it because everyone's so tuned to be no this is the way solitaire works i can only go in one direction but now you have that option and it just creates for some really interesting puzzles and ways to think about solving your when you get stuck and finding that way out
0: yeah it takes a couple playthroughs to really lock on to the idea of going back the opposite way you'll still find yourself doing the normal kind of solitaire stack But once you figure it out and kind of piece it together, it allows you to dive into the other modes. So you can play one deck, two deck, three deck, four deck, five deck, or a special one deck expanded. But even just the classic four deck, you have all the normal suits that you're familiar with. And you can't move an entire stack if you have like an eight of clubs and then a seven of spades. You can stack them, but you can't move them. You can only move the same suit so that makes it an added challenge but now that you can build opposite ways it still feels like you always have a chance to win every time that you play it's not like well i have to play this card in the exact right order and the exact right sequence to win you can make mistakes and go back and change what you do and even flip a stack completely like you said to get those hidden cards from the top. Those hidden cards never feel like, oh, if I don't get them right away, I'm never going to get them. My stack is too big. I'll never get back to that point.
1: Right, right. Yeah, you always feel like there's a way to get around things. And then there's even an undo button, and you can undo as much as you want. So you can always kind of go back and try to retry. You can redeal the same setup you had if you wanted like oh wait a minute i there's too many things i did i don't really want to undo everything i just want to try all over and then so you can keep on doing it you're you can score based on the number of moves you make you score based on uh the time it took you to finish that particular level so you're kind of racing a clock you can turn that off if you don't like that pressure of a clock And then you always have things you can shoot for where, yeah, Solitaire is pretty repetitive, but there's different layouts every time. Like you said, there's a strong, strong possibility that every, not everyone, but the vast majority of them are solvable in some way. And then you just have these other options of things to shoot for. There's all kinds of achievements you can try to hit as well. So there's always something to do, whether you're changing up to try a different number of suits or you're you're just going back to that single suit because it's the easiest one to do and just trying for all these various little achievements that you can try for. So it's, it's a really fun, quick take on Solitaire that... It just shows you that even making just one little change can make the game feel dramatically different.
0: Yep, that's Flip Flop Solitaire. It's free, it's universal. And then the in-app purchase is going to get rid of ads and what else does it do?
1: Uh, so it also so the five suit and the extended one suit those you kind of earn credits towards playing those if you don't have it unlocked so you have to play through and watch ads and then it gives you like a little uh, credit for those those are completely unlocked if you pay the two ninety nine then there's other little customization things where you can have alternate color schemes and like card backs and background colors so um, but. Otherwise, you can play the one through four suits completely for free without paying anything.
0: Awesome. So up next is Ski ball Plus. And this game is relevant just because the 1st Ski Skee-Ball, I think, came out in 2009, like right after the App Store started in 2008. And it was published by Freeverse at the time. And... It lets you play the classic idea of rolling the ball up the ramp to try to land in the cups. But it made it so it's just you swipe the screen and have the balls on the way. So a bunch of different versions came out. And then there was a Ski ball 2. I think it came out with once Freeverse was acquired by Njimoko. And then that company went under. And then Ski ball was kind of just you had to go to third-party ones. So Ramp Champ came along. And that one was a really fun highly stylized version of skee-ball with really creative essentially lane layouts and then that game also was removed and so I pretty much forgot about skee-ball until <laughs> skee-ball plus just popped up from a brand new company that I've never even heard of
1: yeah so the thing the big deal with all of these skee-ball games is the word skee-ball s k e e - b a l l is a trademark it's an actual trademark thing so all these other games. So originally, when that first one came out, they called it Ten Ball Seven Cups because they couldn't legally call it Ski Ball. Then I think Gravik and Freeverse got the rights when they came out with Ski Ball and then Ski Ball Two. So they have the rights to call it Ski Ball. And Ski Ball Two was probably, I would say, one of the best implementations of it. It had everything. It felt polished. It. It just worked well. The the physics felt right. And they'd actually redone everything and came out with that game. Then, obviously, all of these companies went out of business. And now the rights for Ski ball was back up. And this company, Ocean Media, bought it and put out what they called Ski ball Plus, which is the officially licensed version of Ski ball My problem with their app is it feels like a step backwards. It doesn't feel fully polished the physics aren't bad as long as you turn on the mode where you so you're swiping to throw the ball you you have no control over the ball once you swipe it and you can turn on a mode where you can tilt your device and that kind of gives a little nudge to the ball and kind of helps you aim it this game is horrible unless you turn on that mode it like it just doesn't feel like the ball goes anywhere near where you swiped it and you're the possibility of you going in the cup is pretty much nil unless you kind of massage it by shaking the the device or tilting, slightly tilting the device. The graphics in this one aren't too bad, but if you look at any of the menu buttons on my iPhone 10, they don't look round. They are actually look stretched vertically. If you look on the iPad, they look stretched, like squashed. so then they look stretched side by side. If you look on the App Store and look at the iPhone screens that they post there, they look perfect. So something is wrong with their art assets, and it just feels like this thing is a rushed-out, not-quite-finished cash grab, because it is a paid app, but there's all kinds of in-app purchases, and you have to purchase and earn tickets in order to unlock any of the 50 million different game modes that they have in it. But the number of tickets you earn in a single game, it's going to take you forever to even unlock a single mode. So I don't know. I just have really disappointed that this is now the official skee-ball game when we had much better options previously.
0: I think it's junkier than that. When I'm playing the game, I swipe it, you know, to try to aim for the hundred bucket in the corner. And I swipe it in that direction and it hits the side and then bounces back the other way. Or it doesn't even come close. I never can get into that proper trajectory, even though I swipe in that trajectory. And then the ball, I figured out a way where I almost got nine hundreds on my nine balls just by swiping it up there, and then it hits behind the hundred like it hits like this brick wall with this really crappy physics, and then it like falls <laughs> down into the hoop. There's no way on earth the ball should be able to hit the back wall and then get into that hundred hoop. And so it's just super clunky. And then even when you do that, like you said, great score. You get hardly any tickets, so it's going to take forever to unlock all the different modes. And then even those different lanes, they're not designed that well. The, the little score text is kind of ugly on that second one that you can unlock. And just everything feels subpar, especially when we had games like Ski ball 2 that came out a few years ago and the physics as well as the art assets all seem way better. The way you earn tickets and then you have tickets to unlock new lanes as well as different like prizes like that whole boardwalk atmosphere. So this game feels like it's from 2009, which is amazing that it's 2017. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. The art looks like, like they use Microsoft Paint to do something. Yep. It. Like, <laughs> it really doesn't look like they put the effort in for something that's now going to be the official ski ball And so like I would earn maybe four tickets per run that I got, four, somewhere between four and six tickets. It costs 2,500 tickets just to unlock a new <laughs> mode, 5,000 tickets to unlock a new machine, plus you have to be leveled up for that. They can sell you tickets, 5000 for $0.99 cents or 18500 for two ninety-nine. This is a paid app. You paid for the app, and now they're going to charge you for tickets or you have to sit here and grind like crazy to unlock anything. Some of those modes sound really cool, but I'll never see them because I'm not going to be playing this. I'm going to find a cheap skee-ball knockoff and play that instead because I'm sure there's got to be one that works better than this game does
0: yep and so like that is probably the worst part is that it costs three bucks and then it still has all these in-app purchases and makes it nearly impossible to get anything any valuable upgrades so that's skeeball plus it's 2.99 and it's universal and i think that's everything for episode 42 yep that's all i got brett thanks for joining me oh yeah it's a pleasure as always to everyone listening we hope you enjoyed and we'll talk to you next time talk to you later